GM in Tech Online, JBA here, and welcome to bonus episode 26 of Diversity and Mentorship in Technology, where we continue the conversation about diversity, mentorship, careers, and business in technology with our guest. Each bonus episode is tied to a show episode, so don't forget to check that out first if you haven't already done so. Now, once more, it's time to reintroduce our guest, Alyssa, and get into a deeper discussion regarding the topic of the week, VR in 2018. So Alyssa, welcome back. Thank you. So I wanted to get more in depth about a few things based on obviously your background and getting heavy into, into VR. In terms of what you do in VR from a content perspective or just in terms of the VR industry uh, as a whole, could you kind of give us that for our listeners? Of course. So what I do specifically, I am the Vice President of Global Business Development for Inception VR. And what I do is I help foster relationships between software, hardware, and creative. So I think of my own organization's marketing plans and business goals for the next three to five years. And then I try and establish partnerships with global hardware or, or um, media companies that will help us reach those goals. So those goals are typically around growth of, an app, of, of our app or downloads of our app or dwell time of a consumer within our app. So if I know that one of the goals is to increase dwell time for consumers within the Inception VR app, then I'll go and I'll, I'll look for content um, partnerships uh, globally to make sure that we have the most sticky and the most interesting content out there and that we have channels and it's easy to find and people, you know, people are, are hungry for this content that we're putting on there. Other kind of partnerships might be a hardware partnership with a headset that's coming out in, you know, any anywhere in the world really and, and making sure that we receive the first prototype of that headset so that our app works, is fully functioned on that headset and that we're featured the day that it comes out. So that's kind of where I sit. Inception itself is kind of a three-pronged. We have proprietary technology, um, which is streaming virtual reality technology. We have a production and post-production house in team, uh, sorry, in-house. So a lot of the virtual reality production is a, it's very, um, it's very, there's a high cost to it and high, you know, it's, it's still a new medium. So people are really, trying to figure out what specific kind of tools to use, that kind of thing. You, you, the post-production specifically on virtual reality creative is very time intensive. And so, and then therefore very expensive. So the fact that we get to do that in-house is very, kind of puts us above the rest. And then um, thirdly, we can build white label applications for virtual reality or augmented reality for brands or for media companies. So we're an end-to-end solution in immersive technology. We also have been dabbling in mixed reality as well. So we were a global launch partner for Microsoft Windows mixed reality. So helping to foster those relationships and and making sure that we're hitting our our marketing goals and our revenue goals. I personally sit over the the company and the company's um, sales and, and revenue targets. So my the sales team reports up to me, which has been interesting. It, it's a it's a challenging space to work, work within, but it, we're seeing, you know, seeing increase more and more over the years, given the numbers we talked about earlier. Interesting about the hardware, the content, and the, and the creation. I was reading an article recently about the mass adoption of VR. And obviously, I mentioned earlier, you know, we talked about uh, just briefly, we're 
developing a, a VR app internally. And so do you think mass adoption comes or will come from the hardware prices kind of a little bit becoming less expensive, right? Or is it going to be coming from the content? There's just so much great content production out there that consumers would be willing to then, uh, you know, the mass adoption would, would take place. Or was it both? The hardware versus the content was kind of the, the, the key point. What is your take in general? Great question. I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. I think it's both, but I think it's something else as well. And it's called just human behavior. So first of all, what we have is technology is moving at a pace that is, is uh, appropriate so that we can now have an Oculus Go come out. So that means the barriers to entry for virtual reality are dropped by the wayside and people can actually just put on a headset and, and have the content in front of them in an easier fashion. They don't need expensive hardware. It doesn't need to be tethered, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely that price point is going to help with mass adoption. Secondly, the content, the fact that the virtual reality, um, you know, creative houses and, and content teams have been working on on what works and what doesn't within virtual reality, um, how to use, sound effects and lighting in order to guide your viewers to places within a headset that you might not have to think about in two-dimensional creativity. And then thirdly, human behavior. So what is it going to take to make our consumers at home be comfortable with going home and not only watching Netflix, having their phone open, having their laptop open, but then also having a headset? Or, you know, does it mean with augmented reality, we get into AR kit and AR core built directly into the phone so that, or, and or tablet, basically the camera. So as you're at home and you're watching a television show, is advertising kind of the first purview into uh, people's homes for, for augmented reality and extended reality so that people don't have to put on a headset. And if so, then that's going to help, you know, drive adoption. But I do think there's a comfortability aspect of human behavior that we need to also add into that um, mass adoption scale. Uh, something that we saw with Snapchat um, and just snackable content in, in YouTube. So, you know, that changed very fast. And now we're used to, you see a 30 seconds of a, of a clip and that's that. And that hasn't been like that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And I know Oculus Go is really exciting for a lot of people in the consumer space. And one of the things I was always been interested, I'm not sure if you are as well. I call myself a Trekkie and, you know, <laughs> there, there are many out there that, that look at the holodeck, right? As the epitome or ultimate idea of what the, the virtuality space can be and, you know, maybe light years, not light years, but years away from that space. But how close are we getting to there? And I guess specifically the answer is for me, the confined space. You know, if I'm putting on a VR headset, how do I then go to the next level where I'm not necessarily confined by my space in a physical environment? Or is that even a reality or possible reality in the future? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it is, right? We're all, we're, we're looking at I think of Holodeck and I think of like the grids and, and how they're emulated in, in VR when you're creating a piece right now. I think that mixed reality and is kind of what's going to get us there. So we don't know exactly what's happening with Magic Leap, but it's an important company to continue to follow. I think that given the amount of money that they've raised We'd hope that their mixed reality prototype that's coming out very soon will kind of take us 
take us there. You know, everything right now, your pupils are being multiple frames per second. Your pupils are being tracked exactly where you're looking within any virtual reality, mixed reality piece. Um, so what is that also informing um, the computers who are taking that information? What is, how is that informing them? And what does that mean that they're serving you next? That doesn't necessarily apply to ads, but to content and, or to people that you can, you know, interact with in VR. Um, but I'd say the mixed reality space is going to really push that envelope. Yeah, and it's I know Magic Leap first came out, not a lot of information about it, but yeah, I think the uh, the space in general is is trying to lean that direction, and I'm also excited to see what 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 come comes of it. You know, I've, I've been around the startup industry, and sometimes things go well, and sometimes uh, right. they don't. But I think in general, it's, it's so it's so exciting uh, overall for that. So excited. So exciting, yeah. Well, and it's also a matter of, I think, just getting those. So, like the Hololens, for example. I mean, it's very, like, it's very heavy. I think the the Magic Leap prototype that first came out was very heavy. So, really getting them comfortable, so people want to wear them too, uh, regardless of what's happening. You know, I, I mean, eventually it'll all just be in a contact lens or something like that. So, and I, you know, I don't think that that is that far far away. But I think that they need to get the the mixed reality comfortability down first, and then, oh yeah, we'll see. We'll see huge changes. <laughs> I agree, and I know I'm a fan of the show you mentioned, Contact Lens, uh, uh, Black Mirror. So it's totally <laughs> it, it yeah. alludes, yeah, to that. You know, scary, scary in other sense. You know, we I had a security analyst on yeah. a little bit ago, and and we talked about the other side, not just about VR, but the security aspects of going you know, in, invasive, invasive privacy. So that's another whole conversation for a different day. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like you said, anything Definitely. exciting uh, uh, in the uh, scheme of things. Right. We don't even necessarily have to always think of it as scary. And I mean, it is scary in the sense of, okay, is, is everybody going to have access to what my private thoughts are, things like that. But really also, I think that we have to pay, pay attention to the good that it will bring of it in the same way that the internet shared and shares information like before it, before it existed, we, I think there was, we were scared about what could happen, but the amount of information that we'll we'll be able to share is just going to be, it's only going to advance in, in when I think of the industries that shouldn't be scared about, you know, I think about, think about health a lot and, and, Mm. and how we can really, really, Put that to good use, hopefully, and I think uh, I think the findings are going to be fascinating. Yeah, there, there definitely is something about the the healthcare industry that I think can really benefit from VR and and being able to help people from a, a not just disease perspective, but also from you know less stress. Right? <laughs> if you have to exactly eighteen hour days. Is I remember when I was working for a hedge fund, you know, because how do you do the eighteen hour days? And it's not not easy, but it's. Uh, if you had that uh, rest period uh, or you know facility, that may help. So yeah, I definitely think that's an added benefit and, and something to think about. Definitely. In terms of the uh, just going back a little bit, the uh, market fit accelerator is that accelerator specifically focused on a specific industry, or is it kind of general focused as it relates to startups? It's actually not focused on a specific industry. I believe, um, at least when I first joined, it was really focused on accelerators. It was an accelerator focusing on startups in the Miami area. So actually the person who started that accelerator, he interviewed me to be uh, 
the CMO of Musical.ly, the um, the a- application that's now done very, very well for themselves. And it wasn't a good fit for me or for Musical.ly at the time. And so he and I kept in touch and I was actually speaking at a conference and he came up to me and he said, do you, and we looked at each other, we knew we recognized each other, but couldn't remember how. And that, that's how I kind of got connected with them. But he was mostly focusing on and is focusing on startups within a specific region. Gotcha. So there's always money from a regional perspective to look into, you know. No, of course, of course. And I guess the last kind of question I want to wrap up with today is content. And myself as a background, as a writer, you know, I've always been fascinated about storytelling and, and I kind of like stories, you know, I tell people, say, what type of video games do you like? And I say, well, the story ones, the ones that actually captivate, you know, the stories, the characters. In terms of content, if you're looking at that from the future, uh, or, you know, artists and, and artist management, writers, storytellers, is it, how is it easy is it to get into the VR industry at this point, since it's still kind of nascent? Or is it kind of maturing where, you know, there'll be represented agents of actors and, and writers and that instance are still kind of free for all at this point? Oh, it is 100% a free-for-all at this point. I think you brought up something that's very fascinating in, in the VR industry, like the, even the idea of acting in VR and how different that looks than acting in 2D because, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you, it's a 360 environment that they're shooting in, in this. Sh- <laughs> you, um, you don't get as many takes, we'll just say that, in VR. <laughs> so I think that it's going to require a whole different kind of skill set, you know, it's still the wild, wild west out there in terms of creation. A lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are doing a terrible job at it. A lot of people are doing a great job at it, but there's still, it's still an experimental experiment, you know, mental phase right now. And for people looking to get into it, I'd say a, it's important to decide why you want to create a piece in virtual reality or 360 as opposed to 2D, um, you know, as we always say, if you can do it in 2D, then do it in 2D. But the medium, the storyline and the medium, you know, should, should make an impact on one another. Just like an, art, like an artist would choose watercolor over, you know, um, specific oils. It's, it's, there's an imposter, there's a heaviness to a specific oil, whereas a watercolor, there's a light breezy kind of air, you know, the same goes to VR and 2D, there's a reason to do it, not just because it's a hot new thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to end on that note, but you're correct. And I'm excited to see what the the future holds for the industry. And Alyssa, thanks again for coming on the show and definitely appreciate your time and, and providing so much value to the listeners. And we'll definitely touch space soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate it.